I'm Sharon Brett Kelly, and I've just parked my car in the car park, and I'm walking up the track beside a little stream here up towards the Franz Josef Glacier, and the path is empty, there's nobody on it. The car park, which would normally have dozens of cars and buses in it, has only got a handful here. So, so that's one sign that things are not going well for this little tourist town. It's not the only place in Franz Josef that is near empty. In the main street, a few people are milling around a bar, but a lot of the shops are deserted and the back streets are eerily quiet. On the detail today, the Westland town, 130 kilometres south of Hokitika, lives with an active fault line running through the centre of it and often faces flood threats. I'm here to find out if it can survive the disastrous impact of COVID. Cup of tea, thanks. Yeah, with milk. Thanks. Where are you from? Well, I live in Auckland. Oh, yeah, Auckland. I'm, <laughs> I'm having a cuppa with local businessman Tim Gibb. We run a tourism company here called Across Country Quad Bikes. I'm in, in the fire brigade here, and one of my roles is civil defence as well. He has more than one claim to fame. The thing we had before COVID was all, all the floods that we had. The bridge washed out. Part of my role with civil defences, I was driving across the bridge. Someone said at the end of the bridge it's making a funny noise, so we stopped at the end of the bridge and it just washed away in front of us. Quite cool. Cool. Uh, <laughs> and then the next morning I went out in the helicopter to see the damage and the airstrip was gone and my little plane that I had in a hangar was completely destroyed, so I was a bit gobsmacked. While that flood was on, I brought down a dump truck from, and I got on national news, which closed me down. The authorities saw, saw me driving backwards and forwards through the river. Then we, after that, the, we had a big flood on Mount Hercules. You probably came through the damage on Mount Hercules, maybe, if you drove down. So the road was shut there for another week. And then we had COVID the, um, the next March, so we, we sort of had a bad stint getting into it. So how does the impact of COVID compare with all the other stuff? Oh, you know, COVID, far worse. Far worse, not just because there are no overseas tourists. The night before I talked to him, Gibb was the only firefighter to turn up to a fire alarm. A lot of our guys, uh, they lost their jobs, so they've left town with COVID. So we're down to a skeleton crew at the moment, but that's just the way it is. We've got a lot of recruits that have uh, joined up, which is cool. Yeah, we had a call out last night, but uh, I just responded by myself, but it was only a false alarm in one of the backpackers, which is closed down, so it wasn't a big deal. OK. What, what if it had been a serious one, though? When we get called out, Fox get called out, the Fox Brigade and the Waterrow Brigade, we all get called out together. Okay. So if it's, not, if it's not serious, then we turn them around. And if it is serious, there's plenty of people in the community that will step in. How is business for you, the quad bike business? Yeah, it's pretty slow. We're down about 80% in revenue and numbers. Uh, but we're, we're ticking along, we're holding our own. We're not making money, but we're paying the wages. You are? How do you manage to do that, though, if you're down 80% on revenue? Just have a lot less stuff uh, and dock some of the staff are on jobs for nature so when we haven't got work they go online and they count birds and do stuff for dock online anyhow You're what, third generation Franz Joseph? Uh, fifth generation I think. Fifth generation? Yeah, we came here in 1858 looking for gold out on the beach and we've been here ever since 
Can you just take me through what happened when COVID hit? The numbers just dried up completely, and then we had the lockdown, and then after lockdown we weren't sure what, how, how we were going to go, but we've reduced the prices. Kiwis don't like spending money, and I can't blame them. I'm the same when I'm on holiday, and we're, we're getting a few Kiwis, which is really good. A lot of Aucklanders. So you're actually happy for Aucklanders to be here for a change? <laughs> they seem to have money. OK, but that is interesting because I've been walking around the town and everybody's got their signs up, you know, take a tour or go on a quad bike, take a flight, and everybody's got uh, discounts and it's pretty quiet at the moment. So does that make it a bit tricky being in a small town like this and you're all competing for, you know, a small pool of tourists, really? Yeah, I guess so, but... People come here to go on the glacier and they come here to fly mostly. They don't come here to quad bike, so, but we're sort of, we get the, them when it's raining or, or the helicopters are full. But we, work, we do a combo with, with the helicopters. But still, there's still not a lot of people around and a lot of businesses looking for the tourist dollar. Yeah, we're, we're all in survival mode. Besides dropping your prices, is there anything else you can do to get people to come here and spend their money? The yoga retreat initiative seems to be working and they're trying to get more and more incentive groups to come down here. We nearly had something sorted and then the Tiwanui closed so they, they, they wanted a five-star hotel that would, they would stay in. So then the Scenic Circle closed and so that put the kibosh on that. Has that been really hard on the town? Yeah, everything that closes is hard. The um, hot pools the closing. The hot pools are, are not great. Every little thing that's... That's one less reason for people to come here. It's not the only risk to the town. There are calls for Franz Joseph emergency service buildings on top of the Alpine Fault to be urgently moved after research has shown the probability of a devastating quake striking the South Island over the next 50 years has more than doubled. Following a massive slip blocking State Highway 6 further north, almost 1,000 tourists have been trapped at Franz Joseph where the only way in or out is by helicopter. Pretty much everybody who's stranded here packed the uh, town, Franz Joseph Town Hall uh, at 9.30 for this briefing. There's about a 1,000 people crammed in there. I stood on the bridge and uh, actually videoed the river upstream and downstream. There were boulders hitting the, the bridge and the beams that hold the bridge up, and the bridge was shuddering. It never occurred to me that it would uh, just lift itself up and wash away. However, that's what it's done. OK, so you've got the river, you've got the fault line. There's a few few things I would I would like to change as, as a civil defence controller. I'd like the garage shifted. It's it's right on the fault line. It couldn't over be here. Any, yeah, the mobile station. Okay. Is couldn't couldn't be any closer to the fault line. It's right on it, and the police station and a and a motel. The town is slowly moving north down towards the medical centre down Crom Street. Away from the fault oh, line. Away from the fault line. The glacier is retreating. I think that we're getting a lot of bad press with the glacier disappearing, but it's only the very bottom part of the glacier that's melting at the moment. When I was a kid 40 odd years ago we would it was about where it is now but it, but a lot fatter but it was back up the valley about where it is now. So it's just a cycle that comes and goes. It's not going to disappear in the next few hours or days or <laughs> years. Do you feel like you're getting enough support from outside the town? Are you getting enough support from Stuart, the government? Stuart Nash came in and promised us nothing. Franz Joseph and Fox Glacier communities have been given the blunt message 
The government can't save every business that's struggling during the pandemic. A week ago, the two communities sent Tourism Minister Stuart Nash a $35 million wish list of what they need to survive. The minister visited Franz Joseph yesterday with Rural Communities Minister Damien O'Connor, but they didn't make any promises. I don't know why he came and nearly got run out of town. but He did? Pretty much. Because why? He came, he, never, he came and we thought he was going to promise us something and, and he, we got nothing at all. All it did was make us angry, I think. But the development West Coast have been great. They've lent out $5 million to to some businesses. Do you think most businesses here will survive? I think if they've survived till now, then they're going to survive. How many have closed up until now? Five or six, I guess, big businesses. But, uh, yeah, I think they'll come back again once... Uh, once the tourists here, the infrastructure's still here. It must make you really resilient, though, if you can withstand all of those kind of things. Yeah, and I think the businesses that are, that are here, uh, they're here for the long haul. Not too heavily indebted, I think. My next stop in France is the West Coast Wildlife Centre, where you can see kiwi and tuatara close up. This brown kiwi chick was protected by an incubator. A wild bird might be Welcome to the West Coast Wildlife Centre. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we're home to the world's rarest kiwi. There are five species of kiwi in New Zealand. The rarest is called the roe. That's owner and director Richard Benton. So I set this business up back in late 2010. Uh, there were around about 140 roe kiwi left in the wild at that time. It was critically endangered. In fact, it was pretty close to being on the edge of extinction. So today we have over 600 roe kiwi in the wild. It's been a wonderful public and private partnership with the Department of Conservation, our local iwi, Teiru Nangaro Makafio. How is business at the moment? Very, very challenging, to be frank. Um, our business is around 80% down on, on this time in previous years. Uh, it's wonderful to see so many New Zealanders travelling, and we really appreciate that here in France. But with uh, 25% of our population having left and 60% of jobs gone, it's... Um, it, it, it's, it's a pretty tricky time at the moment, to be frank. 25%, a quarter of your population. And what, what would the normal size of your population be? It varies. Obviously, we're a, we're a, a tourism-type town, but usually you would have probably around five to 600 uh, regular people living here. But because we are so geographically isolated, we are about five and a half hours away from our largest population base, Christchurch, and uh, that makes it particularly challenging. It, it, it's not easy, but, hey, we're... We're battlers here on the West Coast, and uh, with people like yourself coming to visit, that kind of helps keep the community buoyant. But when you lose people, you lose your community infrastructure. Yeah. You lose your plumbers, your electricians, your, your school teachers, your firemen. Uh, but when you start losing those people, then it makes it pretty tricky for a, a small community like Glacier Country. Which, which, Can you yeah. survive, do you think? Um, because, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's still so uncertain when things are going to get back to normal. It's a really good question. I saw an Infometrics report and a Treasury report recently that said, look, by March 2026, we'll be up to around 80% of the numbers, visitor numbers, which we were pre-COVID. So that, that's taking a while, isn't it, to get back to where we need. And 2026, 20, I didn't know that. That's five years. That's five years we think it's going to take, and then we won't get back to where we were prior to COVID, when we had around 4 million visitors coming to New Zealand. So um, can we survive? Look, the West Coast is a resilient place, but it's going to be very, very tough. Can we, you yeah. survive as a business, do you think? We've been extremely fortunate this year. and We've had great support from the government uh, through various funding streams, which is the first time ever we've needed significant funding in this business. Um, we can only survive going forward if we get outside support. Are you getting that outside support? 
we're talking to various various people at the moment to try and secure some additional funding. No one expected this COVID battle to last potentially for five or six years, did we? We need a lot more international visitors to come through in order to make a business like ours sustainable. And when you're hatching the world's rarest kiwi, you want to be sustainable for, for New Zealanders, don't you? Yeah, we all say for a rainy day. But yeah. you don't expect a rainy day to last quite as long as it has so far. And the rainy day is going to be for quite a bit longer, I think. Yeah. I mean, have you set yourself a deadline if that funding doesn't come through? Yeah, for us, our deadline would be October or November this year. Uh, we'll, we're looking at our cash flow going forward, and, it, and, it, and it's pretty tough. So, you know, by November or December, we'll make some decisions on, on the future of our business. Um, excuse me. Yeah, seconds. sure. Um, when you say you're, you know, there are, you're looking at funding, getting outside funding, is that... Is that government funding or...? Yeah, I mean, the first place, of course, we will need to go to is, is for government funding. Um, and then also we need to go and talk to banks as well because mm. um, you've also got to borrow money as well. And, of course, the challenge is, is we're in tourism. And so we're probably not flavour of the month for, for banks at the moment. Our Development West Coast, our regional development agency, have, have been very good in uh, offering a certain number of, of loans to businesses around, around this area, which is a, a huge help. What figure do you need to keep you going? Um, oh, we probably need um, north of half a million dollars in order to keep going. Um, we employ up to 14 staff um, and we have a, an important Kiwi hatching facility, of course. So the message there is if he can't raise more than half a million dollars in the next few months, another anchor business for the town could go into hibernation. This would leave the Kiwi breeding program with an uncertain future. Good morning. Hi, Alan. How are you? Busy. <laughs> I know, yeah, I saw that you had a lot of people in last night. Can I have five minutes with you? Okay. I think you've got a pretty interesting story for this podcast. So you are Alan Glenn. Correct, yeah. Yes. Tell me about how you came here. You've been away for 20 years overseas. Yeah, about 27 years. Um, this journey sort of started way back in most probably 2019. So you were looking at this business? Yes, okay. pre-COVID. So my wife and I, we just sort of had a chat. I spoke with my lawyers and my accountants. and What were they saying? Do you think you really, really want to go with it? You're going to lose a certain amount of money. That's your deposit. So you'd already put a deposit on the yes, future? Yes, yes. There's a chance that you can be sued. But if you stay overseas, I don't think they can touch you. But I didn't want to do that, so I'm from Greymouth and my dad was a businessman there and he was a pretty integral sort of a guy. My brother had a business there and I thought, well, family. So we decided to come back and give it a go. Right, and when did you get here in Francis? 4th of September we started. Are things as bad as you thought they might be here? I must say that the town has suffered. Like, to get staff here is quite hard. Yes, there has been a, a lot of people leave the town. Do you worry that Franz Joseph will turn into a ghost town? No, I think they're pretty resilient people down here. Otherwise they wouldn't be here. You know, I think they've been through things before, like with all the floods, and uh, they bounce back. It's just not COVID that affects this town. It's the multitude of rain <laughs> that we get. And yeah, you don't regret doing this? No, I, I don't regret it. It's, it's a pretty good little community. Just before I check into my room, I meet the manager of the motel. Yep. What's your name? Gaki. Ben. How long have you been here in France, Joseph? Uh, more than three years. Oh, no, have you? Yes. Yeah, right, what brought you here? Um, I studied in New Zealand, 
And then after graduation, I'm looking for a job, and he has given me an opportunity. So I extend my work visa, and I'm happy to just continue staying here. Where are you from, Gaki? China. Okay. Yeah. So what's it been like here since COVID? Pretty quiet. <laughs> yeah. So like before um, COVID, every summer we got heaps of people around the town, and then um, right after the borders closed, then everything changed. And what does it mean for you? I think for the business, the motel, absolutely bad. <laughs> like the Terrace Motel, we used to have 15 people working, but because of the COVID, we have to do the redundancy, and then lots of people left. For me, like the hours reduce, um, the workload reduce. Um, yeah. So Can you afford to stay here? Uh, so far, yes. Like, uh, lucky that my landlord, she's really kind. Like, um, she gave me a little bit discount of my rent. Um, otherwise, it's like pretty hard. Yes. Is there an upside though? I mean, in terms of housing, you say you've had your rent reduced. Mm-hmm. Does it mean it's easier? Because towns like this often struggle to get enough housing for workers. Yeah. Now we've got lots of house available. But the bad side is not many people stay here. So the house is empty. There's like good side and bad side. Like the good side is um, because we have less people around, then we can focus more on like the different aspects. Such as? Um, like for the motel, then oh, we finally can do more maintenance because the room's not used. And also I think it's good for the environment as well less people, less rubbish, less air pollution or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, so like uh, before we have lots of tourists, so the animal not coming out, but now they start coming out, looking around. Is that right? Yeah, and okay. then like I have a chance to kind of like get closer to them, which is amazing. So do you think you'll stay here? Yes, I would love to stay here because I believe the borders will open in the future and there's like more people will come back. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. Mark Jennings produced today's episode. Jeremy Ansell engineered it. And thanks to Tim Gibb, Richard Benton, Alan Glenn and Gaki Feng. Kaki te anō.